Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Together, a Brighton and Ove Albion podcast. Uh, it has been a good week back at work for the first time properly in a couple of weeks. Christmas is gone, New Year is gone, but the football season is still here and we keep traipsing into January. Um, we have quite an interesting one over the next couple of weeks because we have Liverpool, we have Manchester United, we have another FA Cup game. Um, we will get into all of that this week. Uh, I'm going to try to combine uh, two formats that I've had over the last couple of months since I started this. Um, and we're going to have a bit of a throwback and look at the Liverpool game uh, in the format of the good, the bad and the ugly. So here we go. Liverpool. Uh, I am recording shortly after the game, um, maybe about an hour afterwards, uh, and let's start with the good, um, because I always like to start off on a good note if I can. Good, we have plenty of it, actually. Um, Lewis Dunk, and in fact the defensive back two in general. Um, I thought they were terrific again today. Uh, they, For the few corners we did have, they terrified them. Um, Van Dyke was panicking the whole way through. Trent Alexander-Arnold looked out of position a lot of the time. Um, Fabinho did not look like his... Well, Fabinho looked like a defensive midfielder at best playing at centre-half. Um, I thought that Duncan Duffy played really well. Uh, and at the back, they did little wrong today as well. Um, they were not at fault for the goal. Um, they really worked together in tandem as per usual. Um, and when you think of what they've done together, you know... Again today, Shane Duffy, one interception, three clearances, uh, a blocked shot. Um, Lewis Dunk, a successful tackle, four interceptions, four clearances, uh, a blocked shot. And both of them only gave away a singular foul each. Um, you know, that was no more than anybody else. I think everybody on the team, except for Lockadia, actually gave away a foul today. Uh, fun fact for you there. Um, but yeah, I thought that they played really well. And I guess the question is... Um, Will someone come in for one of them in the summer? Um, they're a hell of an asset right now, obviously. Um, they are possibly the most consistent back two in the league. I'm not sure there's many central defensive partnerships that have played as many games consistently together as they have. Um, because barring suspension or injury, but they have been our set two for two years now. Um, just in the Premier League alone, I mean, they were our set two for the championship too, and they've made the step up easily. So... Uh, again, I thought they were fantastic, and it's going to be interesting to see what their future looks like. Um, I think if anybody is going to be in danger of going, it's Dunk. Um, but I think that in the market the way it is, people, if they spent enough money, would probably get Duffy for cheaper simply because he's not English. Um, hopefully we don't end up getting rid of either of them. <laughs> hopefully we can keep them both uh, because they are such an integral part to us staying up. Um, but I thought that both of them were fantastic today and they really played their front three out of the game for the most part, especially in the central positions. Um, another part of the good, Lockadia again, good again today. Um, you know, he had just about everything in his locker again today. Um, he had a key pass in him. Um, he had a couple of shots. Uh, he forced Allison into a great save um, until we realized it was going wide anyway. Um, he made some great runs and there were some very tight offside calls. Um, I would like to see him in a number of different angles because from one angle it looked off and one angle it looked on. So I can't say whether it was a great call or a bad one because it was it was just that close. Um, he doesn't look as explosive as his Kiedo on the left. Um, 
if anybody can remember to the end of last season, we're playing very similarly to the way we played at the end of last season on the counter when we play those bigger teams. Um, and Izquierdo scared them to death. Uh, and I think that Lockardia is doing a really good job of playing that same role. Um, he isn't going to beat as many men as Jose will, but he's perfectly happy to come inside and outside, which is slightly better than Jose. And what a change in fortunes for him, really. It's just amazing. Um, I think that he's really came on a huge amount. And if Izquierdo's injury has benefited anybody, it's quite clearly him. Um, the only problem is we don't have a lot of backup on that left wing. But for the most part, we don't need it because he's playing fantastically. Um, and my other part of the good really is very similar to our first game at Anfield. Um, the ability we showed to keep Mane and Firmino out of the game um, was really, really impressive. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, like, Mane in particular is just unbelievable. Like, I don't understand how we can so easily keep him out of the game. Um, you know, he he was just so poor. We I think he had one shot, um, and I think he only had about, yes, here we go, I've got it. He had 45 touches all game. Um, when you compare that to everybody else in the in the team, um, I mean, Allison had 28, uh, Henderson 128, Fabinho 125, Wijnaldum 97, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who wasn't even fully fit for a lot of that game, had 71. Um, you know, Mane was kept out of the game incredibly well. Uh, Firmino was kept incredibly quiet. I thought that the entire um, the entire attitude was fantastic, and the, we did the same thing to them at Anfield. And I just think that Chris Hutton's ability to game plan against such top players is just unbelievable. And you know, it came down to one individual error today. Well, two individual errors, I suppose, but we'll get into that. Um, that really cost us the game today. And other than that, like their attacking front three really didn't show much. Um, and that's probably in part to the fact that we shut two of them entirely down. It was, it's so good to watch us, um, not only being able to keep players out of the game this year, but also being very happy to then bounce back on a counter attack at pace. Um, we were able to do the first part very well last year. Um, but the, the, the bouncing back and coming out on the counter attack was something we particularly weren't very good at. Um, and that was why we would get beat quite comfortably by the bigger teams last year, uh, simply because we would just allow them to box us in until they got a goal. Um, this year, a bit different. Um, we, you know, we're pounding that ball out long diagonals um, to Lockardia or Solly March or Glenn Murray or Andone, um, and it's really paying dividends. It's looking great. So keep it up, boys. Um, happy stuff there. I will take the the one nil beating um, compared to you know most teams this year against Liverpool, but we have to get on to the bad and the ugly. So let's get to the bad first. Um, Gaetan Bong, unfortunately, um, you know I was a big defender of Gaetan Bong for a long time at the start of the season, um, but since we had uh, Bernardo really showing what he can do, it really um, it really shows just the level of difference, uh, the golfing quality between the two fullbacks. Um, he looked poor today. Uh, his crossing was poor. Um, his attacking threat in general was incredibly poor. Uh, whenever we looked like we were on the counter attack and coming down quickly, he seemed to slow the entire attack down, even when he ran at, with the ball. 
um, it looked like he's reverted to type uh, because against Bournemouth when he played, uh, I thought he was incredibly decent like his he looked really dangerous he put in a couple of really good crosses um i think i actually said that on the podcast last week so it was really disappointing to see him revert back to the gaitan bong that was quite comfortably beaten out of the side by bernardo and honestly the sooner bernardo can come back the better because it's one thing to have bong play in a game where we're realistically not looking to get much from liverpool but when the bigger games come along and towards the end of the year and we need bernardo back i hope he's ready um and unfortunately, I think that Bong was to blame for the penalty, um, 50, 50% of it, obviously. Um, the other half, obviously, is Pascal Gross, but we'll get to that too. Um, I thought Bong really was the catalyst for the penalty in general. He was wildly out of position and he didn't show enough uh, drive to get back. And to say it would have been different if Bernardo plays is kind of... It's harsh on Bong, but given the last couple of weeks and months of seeing Bernardo play, we we know from experience his pace and his uh, just kind of mental ability to fly back um, and do something. And Bong didn't show that at all today. And I just wonder if it was Bernardo in the same spot, if he would have made, came back and made a difference and helped out Gross. Um, so, yeah, I thought Bong was really poor today. Uh, it's It's a shame. I think the other one of our players, well, there's three of them. Um, Solly March was also incredibly poor today, I thought. Um, he was invisible. He only made 16 passes all game, and his pass accuracy rate was at 67%. Um, I think Lockardier had the exact same amount of passes, but he was at somewhere closer to 80% pass accuracy. Um, and, you know, he had no shots, no key passes. He only made one tackle, so even defensively, he wasn't doing his job very well. Um he looked anonymous. Um, it was very similar to early in the season when he was, when we played teams like Watford, um, when you forgot Solly March was even on the pitch. And unfortunately, this time it was on his favoured right side. So there's not really much excuses we can make. Um, and we can't even make the excuse that it was Liverpool because Lockardia executed whatever his game plan was to perfection because he was constantly a danger. Um I think Knockarts should definitely be knocking on the door here. Um, I think he probably should start next weekend at Old Trafford. Um, and it's a shame that it's came to that uh, because I thought that Solly March, just before Christmas, was really coming into his own. But he's definitely uh, regressed over the last two or three weeks, which is a shame, both for the Albion and my fantasy team because I brought him in and he got a couple of assists and now hasn't done anything ever since. So I need to try and find a replacement there. So, the ugly is the last one. Um, a lot of Liverpool fans very vocal on Twitter about how wrong we all are, but uh, I thought Kevin Friend and his entire officiating staff was really poor today. Um, they say that the referee is paid to make the big decisions and get them right, and actually I think he did. Um, I think it was obviously a clear penalty. Um, I think that he made a couple of big decisions with the offside calls that looked via the uh the replays to be a benefit of the doubt um some of them could have been given some of them could not have been um again two offside calls that were given against us um frankly were just so close that on the two replays they showed one of them looked on like it looked onside and offside at the same time so um it's a shame that we didn't get the benefit of the doubt on either of them but it is what it is unfortunately um 
that phrase doesn't take into account the 20 or something 50-50 choices that he has to make every single game. Um, and of those 20 plus 50-50 choices he has to make, uh, in which he's got to decide whether Brighton or Liverpool are going to get the call. Um, unfortunately, 20 out of 20, he sided with Liverpool today. Um, there were numerous 50-50 challenges uh, that really could have either gone either way or just played on. Um, and he chose to play the ball for Liverpool's favour. Um, there were numerous times where the ball went into touch um, and he had two choices. He could either give the ball to us or give the ball to them. Um, and whenever it seems that the it seems that the strategy of three or four Liverpool players to scream at the referee um, incessantly for around three to four seconds was enough for friend to then give them the call every time. Um, there were a couple of throw-ins and two corners that probably shouldn't have been corners or throw-ins to them, but um, their their strategy of screaming in his face for, for three or four seconds until he gives them the decision was really quite the telling difference. Um, and it's a shame because I think that we were two or three free kicks and possibly a corner away. Uh, and I think those knowing how good we are at set pieces and how shaky Liverpool were in terms of having their backup defenders on today and not looking at their best. Um, it's a shame because those three free kicks and two corners, for example, could have made all the difference. Um, and we weren't allowed to take advantage of those chances because the 50-50 decisions were just 100 to zero. Um, the line, the Lino staff were no better. Um, people in the ground were absolutely incensed with uh, one of the dudes in particular. I believe it was the south south side, south south stand ending uh, linesman was incredibly poor in the second half from all accounts, um, and it was really sh it was a shame because Friend really hadn't been too bad of a referee this week this uh, year for us. But do not forget that Kevin Friend was also the same referee that. Uh, not too long ago, a couple of seasons ago, well, it was a long ago because we played at the Withdean, but I'll never forget this. Um, we were playing Bournemouth at the Withdean, and he gave Bournemouth uh, a penalty in the last seconds of the game to have them win it 3-2. And what he did was he gave us he gave a handball against Tommy Elphick, um, who then went to Bournemouth, funnily enough. Uh, when it was quite clearly their own striker that handballed it in the box. Uh, and then it turns out that not only was it their own striker that handballed it, but he wasn't even in the box. Um, so Kevin Friend has a has a track record for some insane decisions, um, but sadly he just made every single small decision wrong today. Um, or at least if they weren't wrong, they were very much biased. So it's a shame. But it is what it is. Uh, you know, Liverpool were the better team. There's no dis, dis, you know, there's no discussion on whether they should have won or played well enough to win. I think they did, but I think the manner in which uh, the game was officiated was a huge shame, um, and we know enough by now to know that there will be no ramifications for anything like this because it's a top six referee. So it is what it is. Um, that's it. The good, the bad, and the ugly is done for Liverpool. Um, so we're about 15 minutes in and that's nice because that's where I want it to be. Um, so we're now going to take a look at the top five stories of the week outside of the game. Um, this is something that I was trying to amalgamate into the pair, like try and bring them both together. Um, so I could give a decent enough look at the game and then also a decent enough look at things outside the Albion, uh, 
you know the Albion games if we if we are worthy of it and I think we have five stories this week um, decided by yours truly um, and I will try and go through them uh, with no more than like a two minute limit for each one uh, so I don't drag this out so we will start with story number five story number five uh, has to be Nathan Jones um, ex Albion uh, coach ex Albion player and ex Albion manager for two games um, went to Luton Town. Uh, managed them by all accounts did incredibly well for Luton Um, he's very much liked there and they're pretty gutted he's gone Um, but he's got himself quite a high profile appointment he took over at Stoke this week this week Um, unfortunately it was capped off with a defeat uh, away at Brentford I believe Um, and that's a shame but you know Nathan Jones is a a top manager um, in that kind of level, at that kind of level, and uh, I wish him all the best. I really hope he does well, um, because it would be quite fun to see Nathan Jones bring them back to the Premier League and have us play him uh, sometime next year or maybe the year after. I would love that. Uh, he plays some really fun football for anybody who isn't sure um, or isn't aware of what he did at Luton. They were very attacking. Um, unfortunately, that did lead him to concede in a couple of goals or a couple of weird decisions or a couple of weird results. Um, but overall, he plays a very attacking game of football. Um, and it's really quite an entertaining back-to-front kind of style. And if he can implement that at Stoke, it would be not only a welcome addition to Stoke's history of style of football, um, you know, that ugly... Long ball football probably won't be a consistent staple for them under Jones, um, but also it could really push them up the championship, and who knows? Uh, like I said, all the best. I hope he does really well, and we will see. So, story number four is the FA Cup. Um, we obviously beat Bournemouth, thank goodness, um, and we looked forward to the fourth round. Uh, and the fourth round gave us a nice draw, by all accounts. Uh, West Bromwich Albion are at home. Um, the at home is very important in that because I think we have a very good chance of going through to the next round um, and continuing our nice little FA Cup run of late in the last couple of years. Um the significance going around the West Bromwich Albion game and the reason it even made it onto my stories of the week was the five-game ban for somebody on social media that was given out. Um, and it really brings in the discussion of, you know, who, how far does this go? What are the ramifications of this? Where is the line? What's the bar? Um, so for those of you who aren't aware, it seems that one of the uh, a Brighton fan, um, probably a young, idiotic Brighton fan, made a comment that uh, essentially the West Bromwich Albion game was uh, not very good. Um, And he referred it to one of their legend players that's now passed away, Cyril Regis. Um, And it really struck the ire of their fans because he was a legend and they reported him to the club and the club have duly banned him for five games. Um, He did not use any offensive language in terms of swearing or or curse words or anything like that, but it was in poor taste, incredibly in poor taste. But, you know, there are are comments every week that are absolutely vile on Twitter um, for or against us. You know, they're wishing death on people. They're wishing suicide on people. They're wishing cancer. They're wishing, you know, just awful things. Um, And... The homophobia and bigotry that Brighton fans particularly have to see on their timelines, um, especially during match days, and if we're doing well, even more so, um, is just so vile. And we don't see those people getting the ban. 
or any kind of ramifications for their actions. Um, particularly with the reason this is probably going to be so much bad blood is because of the J. Rodriguez Gaytan Bong racism problem. Um, and, you know, it's it's tough because some of the comments that were made by Burnley fans last year in reference to the J. Rodriguez and Gaytan Bong thing was they weren't just they weren't just in poor taste. They were outright racist. Um, they were disgusting comments, and none of those had any kind of uh, ramification or punishment. In fact, they were actually protected by the club um, because the club came out in support of that um, and protected the fact that Jay Rodriguez um, may well or may not be a racist or may have said some of those comments. You know, I wasn't there. I don't know what was said. Um, he was found... Uh, I believe there was found to be not enough evidence to confirm or deny whether he said what he was supposed to have said to Gaytan Bong. Um, but the fact of the matter is, uh, Burnley's attitude was very poor in the way that they came out protecting that. Um, and really just kind of almost, uh, they almost kind of condoned the comments, it felt like. And it was really poor. So, you know, where where is the line on this? Um, what Obviously, the idea is that you don't say anything on social media that can be traced back to you. Not that I would have, not that I would encourage you to say nasty comments on an anonymous account. But if you're on a social media account that can be traced back to you, um, it's probably a good idea not to uh, say something that you wouldn't see your want your grandmother to see. Um, but you know, when teams have different standards and people have different standards of what they're going to kind of, I say, convict uh, with kind of like air commas around it because it's not a conviction. But, you know, it's it's tough because where where is that line? Um, it's It was a horrible can of worms that was then opened. Um, Brighton fans and West Bromwich Albion fans then went on the offensive, uh, found dozens upon dozens of tweets asking for fans to be banned um and i guess the entire social media world from west brom and brighton went dark so is this is this fan been made an example of um and they're not going to be consistent are they like you know i think it was i think they're probably scratching their heads and wishing they'd never done it at this point um and you know guys if you don't like what you see on social media um they do have a mute button they do have a block button um and they do also have a report button so if you don't like what you see um I recommend that you probably just block or mute them um, and report them to Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else you're on and let them take care of it. You know, they're a private business. They can run, they can have people on whoever they want to have on their platform. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's up to them. Um, I'm not sure. My stance on it is I'm not sure the club should be making those decisions for them. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Story number three. I expect story number four to go on and on and on, by the way. Um, story number three. Anthony Knockart returns to Instagram. <laughs> what a 2019 kind of story that is. Um, it's almost like we are a gossip magazine now. But uh, the reason why it's significant and it makes my stories of the week is because uh, the recent conversations we've all had on this podcast about Anthony Knockart and his... Uh, his his attitude, his feelings towards the club, um, the potential that he may be on his way out. Um, you know, I thought it was really interesting to... I was straight on there to see what he was saying. Um, and I have the quote here. 
Um, Noki returned to Instagram and he said, uh, three years ago today, I signed for this great club. Uh, we brought this club to the Premier League, which was an amazing time and hopefully many more good memories to come. Um, it seems to me like it was, I was going to say a sly way, but it's quite clearly a very overt way of saying he's happy here. And it was a very much a statement of saying he wants to stay. Um, so make that make of that what you will. Um, but I think it was encouraging to have that kind of statement made because there was a lot of rumors swirling around. So I'm glad that he's uh, back on Instagram. That probably shows that his mental strength is uh, is rebuilding because social media is a horrible place and he left due to the abuse he got. Um, and hopefully he can continue to rebuild his, uh, his game time. And I think it should start at Old Trafford. Um, so my second story of the week, number two, story number two, uh, is the transfer window. Um, we've seen a lot of movement over the last 11 days, and we haven't really covered much of it, um, probably because none of it really affects the first team. So transfers in and out, transfers in, none. Transfers out. Uh, we have seen Josh Kerr um, move to Derry City on loan for the rest of the season. Josh Kerr was a fullback uh, that we signed, I believe. He came from Celtic. Uh, but he really hasn't done anything at all so far, which is a shame. Um, Billy Arca has gone back to Ecuador. I believe that's how you pronounce his name, simply because of Julio Arca from Sunderland fame. Used to be called, uh, spelt exactly the same way, and I'm assuming that's roughly about the same pronunciation. Um, he's moved back to Ecuador. His time with the Spanish league, uh, lower league team he played for has ended, um, and he's gone back to South America for uh, a 12-month loan. So it looks like he may well be there for the entirety of 2019. Um, he has a contract until 2021, so I suspect it will really be on him to try and earn himself some kind of spot in the team uh, when he comes back for 2020. Oliver Norwood um, has moved over to Sheffield United. That fine, that transfer was finalised and confirmed at the beginning of January, uh, an undisclosed fee, and it seems Sheffield United are absolutely delighted with that. Um, could it be another promotion for Oliver Norwood? Um, he gained promotion with us. He gained promotion with his old loan team that we sent him out to, Fulham, and now he's playing for Sheffield United, and there, you know, towards the top of the championship. So... Oliver Norwood has gone. It is a permanent. It is undisclosed. I'm not sure how much we got for him. I would probably say, because, I mean, what do I know, right? But I would guess it's somewhere around two to five million for him. Um, I think he's probably worth that much given his pedigree and his past and the fact that he's managed to win promotions with all these different teams. Um, and if he does come up, I really hope he gets a shot because it's just unfortunate for him that our midfield options were so much was so improved compared to the year before. Um, but here he is. He's with Sheffield United. He's gone. Uh, ben Barkley, uh, Notts County on loan for the rest of the season. Uh, that's another defender for the future. Um, if he doesn't make it with us, I think he's going to make it somewhere in the top three leagues in England. Uh, I can see him being quite a regular League One or maybe even Championship defender. Um, and Ben White, um, our probably one of our better defenders for the future and one that wouldn't shock me if I saw him in the first team in the next two years. Um, he has gone out on Peterborough on loan. 
for the rest of the season. Big step up. He was previously at Newport County, and they loved him there. I believe he was their player of the season, in fact. Um, so that's a pretty big move for Ben White. Peterborough are a top-half League One team, so he's made a big bounce. Um, and, and, you know, I think if he performs incredibly well, uh, or maybe even wins promotion with Peterborough, he may well get another year with them in the championship. Um, if he doesn't win promotion with them, but plays incredibly well, he may end up just being a championship loanee next year anyway. Uh, so that was a big move for him, and I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, other than that, there's been no real moves. There has been a rumor that we're uh, signing a midfielder from Argentina, um, Mac Allister. Not a very Argentinian name, I'm sure you'll agree. Um, supposedly a more attacking central midfielder. Supposedly would bid $10 million. I'm not sure what currency it's in. Um, but, you know, that probably isn't the first or last random South American we're rumoured to be signing this season uh, on this January transfer window. So, you know, it's touch and go. We'll keep an eye on that. I would be surprised simply because Bloom and Hutton hate buying people in January. So we'll see. Um, and my number one story of the week, uh, Manchester United are next. They have really turned a corner under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, they are incredibly dangerous going forward these days uh, with Lukaku, Rashford, Pogba. Um, even Mata has played well. Um, you know, their entire front line is really, really dangerous. And it's going to be interesting to see how we deal with them because, you know, we we kind of made a mockery of them last uh, in, at the Amex. Um and under Jose, they were a very different side. So we will see how we do against them, not only because they're a totally different team now under Solskjaer, um, but it's also we have some question marks on the people we'll be playing. So I think for my 11 uh, this week, and that's where I wanted to finish up with my 11 for the United game, hence me putting them at number one story of the week. Uh, button in goal, I think he's done enough to keep his shirt this week. I would have preferred Steele to play. Um, but Button did more than enough to win my confidence back, so start at Old Trafford, he does. Uh, Montoya simply has to start at right back. He's played perfectly fine. He kept Mane out of the game today. Great right back. What a sign-in we've made. Spanish right backs are absolutely on fire for us. Lewis Duncan, Shane Duffy at the back. Um, it's almost pointless to even talk about who would be playing at centre-half these days, because if one of those aren't playable to play it's Balogun and that's the end of that conversation uh Bernardo at left back if he's fit question number one there is is Bernardo going to be fit to play at Old Trafford hopefully we rested him this week in plans for playing him next week we'll see if not obviously Bong has to start there and we'll see what happens question mark number one left back question mark number two right winger uh for me, Knockout has to start. I thought he played really well for that 10 or 15 minutes. Well, more like half an hour he came on for uh, against Liverpool. He gave us that little bit of extra edge. He's not as quick as Solly March, but he he really showed that, that edge that we need. Um, and with that kind of attitude on both sides, it simply has to be him. Um, Solly March shouldn't be playing. I think he needs to have a rest this week. Um, Davey Proper in the midfield. Gross in the midfield and Stevens in the midfield. Uh, I really like the midfield three we're going with right now in terms of a more flat uh, midfield three. But this is question mark number three. Where was Bissouma? Is Bissouma okay? You know, we need to find out about that uh, throughout the week. You know, we will keep an eye on it because if it was up to me, Bissouma plays instead of Gross. Uh, I thought Gross was really poor today against Liverpool. Um, we needed more of a box-to-box -box dynamic midfielder and Gross is not that. 
he's really struggling in this front, this flat three. Um, but I don't think that Kyle should take his spot. Um, I think only Bissouma should be doing that if he is fit and able. Um, Lockardia simply has to start on the left. We have nothing, on, no idea on Izquierdo. Apparently, he still isn't training yet, so there's really no other option. Um, if Knockart is to start on the right, as I think he should, people may dis decide whether it should be Lockardia or Sally March on the left. Um, I say that's not a decision. That's quite clear. Jurgen Lockardia has been our player of the last 30 days. He absolutely has to start, and I think we have to play Andone up top this weekend. Um... That centre-half uh, area for Manchester United is very slow. They are not the best defenders in the world. Um, that is really quite clearly their biggest weakness um, under Solskjaer, Mourinho, or whoever it is. And I think that Andone should absolutely get the start and bring on Murray late. But I don't think we should be starting Murray this weekend. Um, I think it showed that... I think it was a better decision to play him against a Fabinho, um, who's pretty rapid on his feet, but poor everywhere else. Uh, and we can play Andone on, on it with a game that the defenders are kind of the absolute opposite. They're pretty good in the air, but they're crap everywhere else. So that's my starting eleven. There's about four or five question marks on there in terms of what the reality is going to be because we don't know about our left back, our right winger, what our central midfield looks like, uh, and really how it's going to work out up top with Maria Randone but that is it from me um, we have nailed our Liverpool game we have nailed our top five stories of the week outside of the Liverpool game um, thank you for listening as always follow me at together BHA um, and I will see you next week be safe and have a good one <laughs>